Hey, good morning, everyone. How y'all doing? Good. It's good to be with you today. I'm glad you came. Uh, it's, it, we're going to have an awesome time uh, here in the next few moments sharing. I think God's given us some really good stuff to, uh, to think about. And we're going to have a fantastic time worshiping later, too. And so I, I just want to encourage you to just kind of like start right now to just say, God, I, I want to open my heart to you. I, you know, I want to receive everything you have for me here today. And let's just do that right now, okay? I'm going to pray, and uh, you can close your eyes. You can keep your eyes open if you want to. Um, stand up, sit down right now, whatever you want to do. But uh, just position your heart. If, if you're here and you know Jesus, let's put it that way. If you're here and you're just trying to figure the whole Jesus thing out, then it still doesn't hurt to do this, but I, I don't want to pressure you on that. But if you know Jesus, just say, uh, Lord Jesus, just want to open my heart to you. I want to hear from you today. Father God, uh, reveal yourself more to me as my father. And Holy Spirit, uh, just open my mind, my eye, the eyes of my heart. And, and I open right now to, to you to change me, to speak to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, awesome. Uh, before we actually get into the message, I, I really felt led to share this story with you, something that is from my past and my wife's past. Uh, in 1994, we were making a transition out of a, a denomination of churches that did not believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, we were, um, well, it was a pretty, pretty stringent attitude there, but we didn't believe God spoke to people today. We didn't believe there were any prophetic words. We thought there might be a healing once in a while, but it wasn't the gift of healing. Uh, we didn't believe that the Holy Spirit actually touched people so that they felt his presence. We thought experience was something that would lead people astray and that the main and, and plain thing, the main and only thing you should do is study scripture. And that all the Holy Spirit did was to open people's minds up to understand Scripture more. Now, he does do that, and, and, and that's a delight, and it's a wonderful part of the Christian life. But Lori and I were in the process of discovering that there was a whole lot more to it than what we had experienced to that point. And so uh, we were led to go to a conference in Kansas City uh, at what, what was at that time the Kansas City Vineyard Church. This was 1994, so if you know the recent church history at all, that was right at the beginning of what uh, is referred to now as the Toronto Blessing. And that, that move and outpouring of the Spirit in Toronto was impacting a lot of other places as well. And so um, we, I was just like a week away from having resigned at this fundamentalist church that I was pastoring. And uh, we went to Kansas City. And the very first night there, we sat in the bleachers. It was, uh, the, the church was an old gymnasium uh, with permanent bleachers, you know, the kind that are like steps. And we went up and we sat on the top row of the bleachers, which is as far away as we could get, okay, because this is all new stuff to us. I mean, we really didn't know what was going to happen, had no idea, 
We knew that we could no longer agree with this idea that the gifts of the Spirit were dead, that the Holy Spirit wasn't touching people today, but we really didn't know what that was going to look like, feel like, or mean to us. And so this first night, we're sitting there, and the speaker stood up to speak, and when he stood up to speak, the whole place went into an uproar. And uh, it was just like people cheering and dancing and yelling and uh, like whole sections of this room, one whole section, 2,000 people now, all fell out of their chairs at the same time onto the floor. And it would be as if this whole half of the building, if you all suddenly were overcome by the Holy Spirit and you just all kind of like, you're gone. Another whole section of this auditorium is just jumping. It's just like a throbbing mass just jumping up and down and cheering and yelling. And people are running. And, and, and it was, I mean, to my background, it was chaos. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh, my. What have we gotten ourselves into? This is what all of my fundamentalist brothers have warned me about. This is what I've warned other people about. This is charismania. It is crazy. What are we going to do, God? We're here for the whole week. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm seriously thinking, do you think we can get our tickets so we could go home tonight and maybe fly or fly out tomorrow morning? And at that moment, I'm looking across the auditorium and right in the middle of the auditorium, there was this guy, probably six two, six three long hair down, down beyond his shoulders. He had a tambourine with streamers and he had that tambourine in his left hand and he was beating it and he was just dancing around in circles and just, you know, just doing all this stuff. And my eyes fell on him. And I got to tell you, that's the kind of thing that I always just held in like disdain, making a show out of yourself. I mean, you don't make a show out of yourself. And I learned that somewhere um, I, I'm probably between Jesus and Clint Eastwood. I'm not sure who, <laughs> but I've told you that in the past, Clint was kind of my role model and I'm sorting that out. I'm trying to get that part out and just have more of Jesus. But at that moment I looked at him and I thought, you know, how, who does he think he is dancing like that, making a show out of himself like that? God spoke to me. As clearly as I've ever heard God speak to me. And he said, what do you see on his face? And I gave the answer, joy. And then God said, well, what's in his heart? And I had to say, I don't know. And then my eyes fell on a young woman who was also dancing and, and just kind of standing out, at least in my, my eyes. She caught my eyes. And the Lord spoke to me and said, what do you see in her face? And I had to answer again, joy. And what's in her heart? I don't know. And then God spoke to me and said, that's right. And you don't need to know. He said, I know. You don't need to know. And then he said this, he said, you have been willing to tolerate what at that time I would have called flesh just our humanness, you, you've been willing to tolerate quiet flesh for a lot of years trying to get close to me. And as soon as he said that, in my mind, what I remembered people just standing and mumbling into hymn books. Have you ever seen that? Man, I remember how frustrated I was with that because I wanted them to sing. But 
but I didn't, you know, like, I, I was willing to tolerate that. And God said, you've been willing to tolerate quiet flesh for a lot of years to get near to me. He said, now you might have to tolerate a little bit of noisy flesh to get close to me. Might. Like, he wasn't, like, telling me, yeah, they're acting in the flesh. It, I didn't take it that way at all. I just took it as... I've got to lighten up some. I've got to loosen up. I've got to not be judgmental. I've got to quit trying to figure out what other people are doing and, and just let that be, be between them and God. That guy looks happy. Yippee, that's great. Praise God. And um, there's something about that, just having a free heart attitude like that that, that enables us to grow because as long as, I, as long as I'm restricting everything and I'm saying, oh, well, it has to be on this way, and if you do it that way, then you're being a show-off or you're, you're, not, uh, you're not honoring God or doing this, whereas I am, by the way, I'm doing it. What we almost always do, what we're doing is projecting our own uh, tight, tightness inside, our own thing that's twisted inside onto other people. And I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, man, you know, uh, it, it's, it's just this judgment that binds our own hearts up. And so to become free of that is just a wonderful thing. And when God spoke to me that way, I sat there and I literally, I mean, a few minutes ago, I'm thinking about trying to change our, our flights home. And it, when he spoke to me like that, I said, okay, if that's what it is, then I'm in. If that's how this works, then I'm good with that, I'm in. And I got up and walked down to the front which was kind of like the danger zone. I mean, it was like you couldn't take two steps and you'd be standing on someone. People are all over on the floor. Just the Holy Spirit's just working in this incredible way. And that was the moment at which I met the people from Champaign. And Lori and I ended up just a few weeks later moving to Champaign, Illinois, where uh, we were on staff there for five years learning about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's that's what our, our heart was for. And and where we were headed. And I just wanted to share that with you this morning. It, um, it was an adventure. It was an awesome thing. Yeah, so we're going to move on right now. Okay, I think that'll tie in later. You listen and tell me if it does, all right? But uh, uh, yeah, I, Father, I just want to pray right now. And thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for calling us to new life and new ways where we don't try to figure out what's in other people's hearts. Thank you for that, Father. Help us just to be uh, just innocent hearted before you and to give up, Lord. We, we just give up our cynicism. We give that up, Lord. The cynicism, the judgment of others. We, we want to give that up, God. Yield it to you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, just move right now to kind of like just snatch that out of our hearts. Bring healing into the places in our hearts that cause us to be cynical and judgmental. Just give us a greater sense of openness to you and what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, if you were here last spring, you know we took a few weeks and we went through a freedom project. And uh, in that freedom project, we talked about giving and how giving is part of discipleship. That was our whole emphasis this time, that that, uh, giving can be to meet a need. It can be to advance a cause and to, to when we catch a vision, we want to get engaged with it in, in, in every way possible and giving is part of that. But that there's this bottom line foundational truth that giving is just simply to honor God because God's worthy, because he owns everything, because he's given it all to us and just to honor him, we give. And so we went through that for a number of weeks. And then as a project, 
at the end of that time, we um, gave this three by three challenge, which we challenged the church, and by challenge, I mean opportunity, you know, think about this, pray about this, we hope you buy into this, but to increase our giving by 3%, and that um, we would do that for three months. Now, our thinking in that was, if you have somebody that's already tithing, and a tithe, by the way, is 10%. If, uh, when a person tithes, that means they're giving 10% of their income. So people that are tithing already, adding another 3% to that is going to, that's a chunk and that's going to disrupt, that's going to impact their whole financial picture. And so we were wanting to make it a big enough piece that it would bring some disruption to our financial pictures so that it would take faith to do it. Does that make sense? So there would be a step of discipleship to say, yeah, I'm going to do this for the next three months. And then we thought that for people that maybe have never given or just haven't come to that point in their spiritual life where they see that as part of their discipleship, that this will give them a chance to do something that would be significant and and it would be uh, stepping into something that would be a sacrifice. And they would get to experience that for a period of time. And so that was kind of our heart in this. And um, the, the three months were June, July, and August. And so what I wanted to do was just give you a a real brief report on this. First, I want to say, for all those who participated in this, thank you very much and bless you. We really appreciate you. Um, It's hard to concretely evaluate the results because we weren't like establishing a special fund to give to. And then we have a goal. Like the year before our Freedom Project, our goal was to receive $80,000 and we got over $100,000 that year. So it was real easy to say, yeah, look at that concrete. There it is. With this, we were just asking people to increase their giving to the general fund, just to the, just the, just the basic act of giving, of saying, God, everything I own is yours. I'm, I'm giving this to you to honor you because you are worthy. And then all the vision and everything else fits into that too. But... Um, Here's what I can tell you. As we've compared this summer's finances to last summer's giving, um, we've, we've had, a, I'd have to say, a good summer, uh, budget-wise and giving-wise and everything. But the giving was 4% more this summer than it was last summer. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And that's just about, I mean, a little bit more than 3%. So um, that's an awesome thing. And so thank you to all of you who have participated in that and bless you. Uh, if you know, if you filled out one of the cards and you said, "Yeah, I'm going to do this," and you haven't completed it yet, um, you can still do that. But that's between you and God. Um, if something happened and you're just not sure you can complete that, or it, we don't want anyone to walk out of here with guilt on them over this, okay? So if you filled out one of the one of the cards and said something and you haven't been able to fulfill that, then you are released. Okay, I say that you're released. Don't go away feeling guilty over that. But um, one thing that makes it all the more significant, I think, is that in the last um, oh year, 18 months, two years, there, there have been key families and key people in the church that have moved on to other places. Some of them because they've moved to other parts of the city, some because they felt called to um, other churches to serve in other churches, and um, and you know our our hard attitude towards that always is 
bless. Man, thank you for the time you've been here. You know, we, I mean, really, we wouldn't be here without you having been here and served as you have and given as you have. So thank you for that. And we pray God will bless your, you in this new ministry, in this new church, or wherever, wherever you're going, we bless you. But um, several families that were disciplined, um, godly, mature, which, which means they really gave. And so there's a chunk of the budget that was here last summer that is no longer here. Does that make sense? Or the giving. And so the fact that we're not only keeping up with the giving of last summer, but headed a little bit uh, more than that, that's a real positive thing. And that means that we're moving in the right direction. And so, um, yeah, I just share that all with you in, in way of kind of like report, okay? So does that make sense? All right, so let's just say thank you, Jesus, for that. And um, yeah, we just honor you, God. Thank you for every person here. Thank you for every dollar that's given. We want to use it all to, to the maximum effect of advancing your kingdom and of seeing people come to faith in Jesus. And so uh, we, we just uh, declare that before you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now I have a passage of scripture I'm going to get to here in a moment, but um, Lori and I had dinner with some uh, new friends last Friday night, and in uh, talking with them, we're hearing their story, and this couple um, is of grandparent age. Now, they're younger than us. I don't want to make you think they're as old as we are, but they're like in their 50s, and they have grandchildren and all of that, but they came to a point a few years ago where they believed God was speaking to them about leaving their jobs and moving to California to uh, go to a school there, a church called Bethel in Northern California. And so they were wrestling with that and uh, struggling with, is this God's will? Is it the right decision? Um, You know, I have a good job right now. If I go out there for two years and I come back and I'm 60 years old, when I come back, will I be able to get the same job I had when I left? And all of those things, which are, you know, serious issues, aren't they? Issues all of us would wrestle with. But um, the wife uh, was telling us that she was wrestling with that and not wanting to make the wrong decision and miss God's will. And God spoke to her and very clearly said, you know, I love you. I love you. And I want to bless you. And I'm going to bless you whether you stay here or go there. You know, you can stay here and I'll bless you. Or you can go there and I'll bless you. And you know, so often, decisions that we agonize over, you know, as long as they're not, one of them isn't immoral, or one of them isn't illegal, or one of them isn't um, going to lead me into something that is just totally, you know, uh, unbiblical, or into a relationship that's going to tear down my relationship with Jesus. As long as there's not that, most of the time, when we have choices to make, it's just like I think God is saying, I love you. You can make either choice and I'm going to bless you. You can go either way and I'm going to bless you. And so she heard that from God. But by the way, how many of you need that right now? Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hold your hands up for another minute, would you please? How many of you need that right now? Hold them up high. Okay, look at this. Now, uh, let's just pray together. If you're around one of these folks, would you just reach out and put your hand on them, okay? And you know, when we lay hands on people, 
I got to tell you this. When we lay hands on people, someone come up here and put a hand on Danny, okay? Come over here. Okay, thanks. There is a stirring of the Holy Spirit that happens. The Holy Spirit in me and the Holy Spirit in you. And so when we lay hands on people, we're not trying to comfort them like, oh, you poor thing. We're not, don't rub people's backs. (laughs) Do you know what you're doing when you rub their back? You're saying, oh, you poor thing, what you need is my comfort. We have someone right here that needs to have their hand laid on. Is that, okay. Um, And so you plant your hand and Holy Spirit come. Just picture the Holy Spirit stirring the Holy Spirit in them and the Holy Spirit moving through you. Okay, so we're going to pray right now. And um, I want you to repeat after me. Father God, give them peace. Give them your, your love and your goodness and just the freedom to make a decision and to trust you. And bless them, Father, as they seek you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, awesome. Now, you know what we really need to have is some of you come back and say what happened. Tell us. I mean, like next week or the week after, we really need to have some of you come back and say, uh, here's what happened after that time of prayer, okay? So, um, So God speaks this to our friend. And he says, you can choose either one. So you know what she did? She thought, okay, I can stay here. Status, I'm, I'm putting words in her mouth right now. Just status quo, life goes on. Or we can go in this incredible adventure, moving across the country and, and, you know, and, and pressing into something exciting. You know what? I'm going to choose the adventure. Okay? Choose the adventure. So say that with me. Choose the adventure. Okay, make life worth being here and choose the adventure. We need to choose the adventure to stay on the cutting edge of what God's doing in our lives. And so that just impacted me when she shared that. And it kind of stirred me to share that story at the beginning of the message and, and, and a lot of the thoughts of this message. So something else happened that night. As we're leaving, about 10.30, Lori and I are walking through the parking lot and Lori said, I, gotta, I have to use the ladies' room. So come, start coming up, Lori. So, uh, so I said, well, okay, I'll walk you back to the restaurant, then I'll get the car, and I'll pull up here and wait for you. And I had to wait for like 15 minutes, and so I'm going to let Lori tell you what happened as I was Testing. waiting. There you go. Hey, guys. Hey, um, yeah, I choose the adventure with Van. <laughs> 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 I, I, first I say, well, what's the worst that can happen? And then I go, I'll go for the adventure. So, <laughs> so that's helped. That's really helped me. But we, Van says to me as I'm walking back to the restaurant, he says, find, the, um, find our waitress and ask her if there's a child that she's concerned about and give her some money. So I say, Okay. I'm choosing the adventure. So I go and I ask, is our waitress around? Has she left? And no, 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 we'll go get her. And so she comes up to me. And I turn to her and I said, do you have a child that you're concerned about? 
And she just starts to tear up. And I said, well, she said, how did you know? And I said, well, my husband told me to come and and find you and give you some money, but God is pursuing you, and he loves you. And that's why I know, because he spoke to my husband. I didn't tell her all that, but I told her that God's pursuing her. And I said, well, what's your child's name? And she told me her name, and then she said, well, she died. And I said, can I pray for you? And she hugged me and cried. And I just said a simple prayer and reminded her God loves her and then walked away. Mm-hmm. But that was just a simple thing. Of, mm-hmm. There you go. A powerful thing. <laughs> wasn't that? Yeah. Now, I had had that word word for this waitress while we were sitting there. It's just like a wisp. I mean, it's just like a feather falling on your arm. It's not like, it's not like God spoke to me when I was in Kansas City where he said, what do you see in his face? That was clear. This was just like, whew, just a wisp. And I didn't act on it. I had reasons. I mean, she was always carrying dishes and stuff. And, 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 but then, man, my beautiful, brave wife, <laughs> she takes that and acts on it and blesses this young woman in the name of Jesus. And um, that's, that's the adventure right there. That's the adventure, to be willing and open to touch other people's lives. Do you know the easiest thing in the world to bless other people? Just look at something you see good in them and, and identify that as part of the way God made them. Identify that as a reflection of uh, part of their reflection of being created in the image of God. Earlier in the night, the, the manager of the restaurant came over and he was uh, just friendly and we were friendly back and and asked us how things were going. Oh, it's so beautiful. We love this, this, and this. And, and he said, well, I'm thinking of changing this. And I'm, you know, I'm proposing this to corporate that we add this over here and we add that over there. And, and it was just obvious this guy was highly creative. All I did was I turned to him. I said, you know, I said, I, I think I, I want to say to you that God sees your creativity and that blesses him. And he recognizes that that's how he made you. And that's coming out. And I think he wants to draw it out more in you. And there's so many other things that, that he wants to do in your life. And, and it's, just, it's just a wonderful thing to see how people light up when you talk to them about how God loves them. And, and you affirm that positive characteristic you see in them. And then you get to pray for them. And in Jesus' name, Jesus, just bless. And, and, then, and then we trust that someone else, somewhere else, there's going to be some other follow-up to that. But think about this. If there are 25 churches in Cincinnati that are doing this everywhere they go, don't you think there's going to be a whole lot of cross-referencing? Don't you think that? Someone told me recently that they were out and they offered to pray for someone, and, and that person said, oh, you're the third person this week that's asked to pray for me. Now, don't tell me that's not going to have an impact on the whole culture and the atmosphere. And out of that type of atmosphere, people are going to come to faith in Jesus. And the kingdom is going to grow. So, yeah. 
So choose the adventure is the word for the day, and I think for next week too. So Luke 9, uh, we're going to read through this and just going to talk about the type of hard attitude it takes to choose the adventure. But in Luke 9, 12 through 17, um, Jesus has taken his apostles out into the wilderness. Uh, so they're, 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 out, they're out by themselves, kind of like in a desert-like area, no food to be had anywhere. And um, they, he wanted to be alone, but there are thousands of people that followed him. So here's what happens. Uh, it says, uh, Luke 9, verse 12, Now the day was ending, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside and find lodging and get something to eat. For here we are in this desolate place. And so Jesus just flips this whole thing on them. And he said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless perhaps we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Okay, women and children, you add that to it. You have, I'm just going to say very conservatively, a crowd of 10,000, maybe 15. Some people would estimate as many as 20,000 people here. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down to eat in groups of about 50 each. It sounded crazy now, isn't it? I mean, it sounded crazy when he said, you feed them. And now there are no food trucks pulling up. There's no source of food anywhere in sight. And he's saying, okay, organize everyone. Give them all forks and napkins and put them in groups of 50. Uh, He didn't really say the forks and napkins, okay? I made that up. (laughs) They did so and had them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish. Looking up to heaven, he blessed them and broke them and kept giving them to the disciples to set before the people. And they... All ate and were satisfied, and the broken pieces which they had left over were picked up, 12 baskets full. So Jesus gets this little handful of fish and bread, and he has it right in front of him, and somewhere they find baskets, and he just keeps reaching in and pulling handfuls out. Just keeps reaching in and pulling it out, and reaching in and pulling it out, until 5,000 people are fed. They get everything they want, and then there's still 12 baskets left. Now, there are all sorts of directions you could go with this passage. Um, I'm going to go this one direction. What type of faith did that take? What type of faith did that take? Was that great faith? Was that strong faith? What, what type of faith did it take? And I want to, well, picture this, okay? They are, uh, they're talking to Jesus and he, you know, he says, you feed them. And, uh, and these guys are talking about this among themselves, even before they come up to Jesus. Where are we going to get food to feed all these people? How are we going to do it? You know, does anybody have any food, do you think? At the very least, the people in that circle were hearing the talk about food. And, at the, and I think at the most, the, the apostles are asking around. You know, Peter, you picture Peter going up to somebody saying, hey, what's that bulge under your cloak right there, you know? And that's somebody's lunch, and they say, oh, that's my Bible. I, you know, it's, but there were people there that had food that didn't come up with it, didn't give it over. And, and I don't know what all they were thinking, but uh, it would be very easy to think, hey, wait a second, I planned ahead. It, you mean, because I planned ahead, I should have to give up my food now to feed someone else. 
uh, some of them might, might have thought, well, hey, I brought enough food for me and my wife and my kids, and then I bumped into Joe and his family, and my wife invited them to eat with us too, and they have eight kids, so boy, we're just all going to get a, a little bite anyway. And so that group is kind of like trying to sneak off to the side, you know, where they can go over and break out their food and eat, and they, they maybe even do that and just get a bite each. But the bread and the fish that they got, they got from a little boy. It doesn't tell us in this account, but in John, parallel passage, it tells us there was a little boy there, and he handed over his bread and his fish. He handed over his lunch. I want to tell you something first. He was close enough to Jesus that he heard what was happening. Okay, so he's close enough to Jesus that he heard what was happening, and he's willing to pass to hand over what he has. So what kind of faith does it take to see something like this happen? What kind of faith? It it takes, I'm going to put it this way. Those are all good answers. Childlike faith. That's what it takes, is childlike faith. Do you know, childlike faith doesn't overanalyze. Childlike faith doesn't get out a calculator and, and, or a, a scale and start weighing the food and, and, and estimating the nutritional value of the fish versus the bread and will we have enough to make it home? You know, what are we gonna, it doesn't analyze like that. Childlike faith says, Jesus wants my food, here it is. Here, you can have it. When I was a boy, I think this was in second grade actually, uh, we, well, we always had to walk over this viaduct to get to school. And um, a viaduct is a bridge over a ravine, okay? And the viaduct was getting old, and this one year they had these guys out there working on it. And so they had their torches and their welding and everything, and they were there every morning when we went to school. And a few of us would try to get out of our houses early because we would just go and stand and watch them work. And then uh, we would run to school to hope we'd get there by the time the bell rang. Sometimes we were late. But we wanted to watch these guys. And it was fascinating. I mean, they're getting out these blow torches and just cutting big chunks of steel. And it's fallen to the ground right there. Now, picture this. What if one of those guys had turned off his torch, flipped up his visor, pointed at me, and said, Hey, buddy, would you get me that wrench? Man, I would, have got, I would have dragged the whole toolbox over. I would have done anything they wanted because I was fascinated with them. Uh, there was another time, um, a little bit older, but it was a, a winter day and a friend of mine and I were out trying to find stuff to do and we came to the grocery store parking lot and there was a state trooper sitting there. So we walked down and walked up to his car. He rolled the window down. He sat there and talked to us for like oh, 20 minutes and he told us what he was doing and how uh, he was checking for people that didn't have their cars inspected and how people uh, would, if the, if the inspector stickers were green that year, they would get green stamps. And they would try to cut them the same size as the sticker and put that in the window. So at a glance, it would look like you were, you had been registered, right? And so he's telling us all of this. And then a guy comes down around the corner and he says, look at that guy. He thinks he's fooling us. Those are green stamps. I'm going to go get him. Now, what if he had thrown the back door open and said to us, hey, boys, hop in. Let's go nail this guy together. (laughs) Man, we would have been all over that. There wouldn't have been any hesitation. I wouldn't have even thought of what's my mother going to think. 
It was, it was, it was just gone. See, there's something about child, this childlike innocence. And here this guy's close enough to see Jesus. And I'm, I'm putting some assumption into this that he's seen Jesus before. And even if he hasn't, he's seen enough to know who Jesus is. And he's seen enough to be fascinated by Jesus. He's seen enough to see something of the beauty and the wonder and the power and the awesomeness of who Jesus is. So when Jesus says, hey, you guys feed them, or when Jesus' guys are saying, hey, we need some food, he's just, he's just right there just to hand it over. And there it is. Here it is. Here's mine. And use it. And, you know, the results are everybody gets to eat. Everybody gets something, and uh, and there's and there's more left than uh, than than they can eat. So childlike hearts. Yeah, first of all, don't sell kids short. Okay, this kid knew what he was doing. I don't believe this was just like no one grabbed the bag of food out of his hands. I mean, he knew what he was doing, and this childlike hearts embrace more. They do, they embrace more, they judge less. Oh, that guy wants to dance? Wow, look at him dance. Isn't that cool? There's joy on his face. Bless him, Jesus. Bless him, let, let that multiply, let there be more joy here. Instead of look at him making a show of himself. Who does he think he is? Childlike hearts, we teach them to do that as they grow up, Okay. But the childlike heart embraces more. It risks more. It sees more of God's power. And childlike hearts have more peace too. Because they know their father's going to provide. And so God's calling us uh, really to have childlike hearts. And if we'll just listen to his voice. If we'll just keep saying, Lord, I, you know, I don't want to be cynical. I don't want to be judging all the other people around me. I want to trust you. I don't want to overanalyze everything. And, and Holy Spirit, just come and, and just fill me with that childlike faith so I can, I can just look at Jesus and smile back at him and say, wow, you know, my life, my time, this risk, this adventure, I want to go on it with you. And I think that's what God has for us. So, hey, we're going to worship. And um, there's going to be some powerful worship here. And I do think that during this time of worship, God's going to release some of us from cynicism. Okay, so if you feel like that's been you, get, get ready. Because during this time of worship, the Holy Spirit's going to be moving through the room. And some people are going to be touched. They're going to be healed of cynicism. You're going to be able to just release it and let it go. And, and just have this new attitude towards other people. And a new heart attitude really towards yourself and your own life. It really is freeing. So um, Dave's going to come up and lead us through our offering right now, and then we're going to go into worship.